Hey, TK Show is sponsored by South County Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram, Northern California's number one volume dealer. Check them out at SouthCountyChryslerJeepDodge.net or drive a little and save a lot in friendly Gilroy. Coming to you from the San Jose Mercury News, the Bay Area News Group, it's the TK Show. Now here's your host, Tim Kawakami. Hey everybody, Tim Kawakami here, TK Show. Today is a very special show for me at least, and for I think everybody in the Bay Area. Uh, so glad to have on as my guest, uh, Bay Area legend, uh, someone who's influenced me a lot, someone who I've respected deeply. Uh, and continue to, obviously, uh, but who just announced his retirement of uh, writing columns for Santa Rosa Press Democrat. It's Lowell Cohn coming on. Lowell, how are you doing today? I'm doing fine, Tim. It's great to hear your voice. Yeah, a little, little struggling with the, with the head cold here, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get through it. We'll get through it. Lowell, I just want to say, uh, you know, what, what led, led to this? I know it's something maybe you'd been thinking about, but uh, wh- why now? Why, why are you stepping away now? Well, two things. As you know, I'm 71 years old, and the um, travel be- became uh, became hard for me. Yeah. Uh, the last time I was on the road was a few weeks ago with the Raiders in Houston, and I was alone on that Saturday night. I was at that little this little hotel, the the courtyard, and across the street I went to the steakhouse. I was alone in Houston, and I thought, this is why I'm retiring. Mm. I don't want to do this anymore. I I almost felt morally offended that I was there. So, and as you know, my wife has had a few health problems. Mm-hmm. So I figured I want to enjoy whatever good years I have left uh, hanging around with her and doing stuff. Yeah. Well, I, I congratulate you on on the retirement and, and on this incredible career of yours. What's the reaction been like since you wrote that beautiful column uh, announcing it to everybody? I, I imagine it's been an interesting uh, few days, few a week or so to hearing from people after you, you made know, that announcement. Uh, I never have considered myself a big deal, but people made a big deal out of me in the last week or so. Um, I've gotten a lot of emails and personal messages on Twitter and tweets on Twitter and you know, I have to say, Tim, it's very, uh, I feel very emotional about it. Yeah. I mean, a few people wrote in and said, I should drop dead and I'm a hack. <laughs> I mean, you, you know, <laughs> maybe it's true. But for the, most, for the most part, people really did seem to like me and told me that my writing had an effect on their lives. And maybe it did, maybe it didn't. When, you know, when you, people know your history, that you are history now, mm-hmm. they generally are pretty nice to you. It'll happen to you in several decades. <laughs> same thing will happen to you. I, I count, uh, You know what? I'll, I'll get a few of those drop-deads, too, I would imagine, but that, that's okay. That's part I of want it. to tell you one other thing. I've been getting emails from people saying, can you please write to Tim and tell, me, tell him to unblock me <laughs> on Twitter? <laughs> I've gotten several of those. <laughs> You 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 announce your retirement and you get those. That's from the I'm telling you, they figure that maybe out of pity for me, you'll let them uh, back in. That's great. That's great. <laughs> you know, if you should choose to ask, Lowell, absolutely. But uh, we'll figure that one out later. Is it correct? You also got a note from a coach in Ann Arbor. I did. You know, that's it tremendous. was the most surprising thing. Um, Tim, you and I were there for the whole Jim Harbaugh era 
well, at Stanford, but especially at the 49ers. And I think, it, I'm speaking for you, and correct me if I'm wrong, at first we found him certainly puzzling yep. and maybe even difficult. But as the time went on, I began to have not only great respect for him, but affection. I mean, he is really, really a remarkable man, and he has many more sides than at first we understood. So, yes, he wrote me an email which was the, the emotional, generous, long, saying that he admired me, and they admired my son, Grant. Wow. And, boy, yeah. <laughs> I have to yeah. tell you, that meant a lot to me, yeah. and it was totally surprising. The only other coaches I heard from, I heard from Bob Melvin, hmm. who I've covered since he was, you know, with the Giants, and Ron Adams over at yeah. the, the Warriors, hmm. who is someone that, that you and I both admire yep. a, a great deal. And those are the ones I heard from, and the ones I expected to hear from the latter two, but to hear from Jim Harbaugh was a, a gift from God. Yeah, it, it it doesn't, I mean, you know, it's surprising just a little bit, but knowing, and I, I'll say especially the relationship you had with him, the you know, the evolution of it, I think he really appreciated that. I think he really, you know, he, he, he felt that was important. And, and I think, yeah, you're right. There there are sides to him. There's There are kind of levels to him that don't always come through unless you're there, unless you're asking him the questions. And, and I, I think that's really important for people to know. I would go and uh, add to that that I think that Jim Harbaugh is really a stand-up guy. I I think so. Now look, I don't know what it was like for Jed York to work with him. It may have been very difficult, but between the two of those two, <laughs> I admire Harbaugh. Yeah. Between the two of those, I trust Harbaugh. So um, you know, your listeners are hearing this. I Jed may be a nice person personally around his family in his own right. Harbaugh is a big, big personality, and Jed needs to grow into one. I'll just say, if your final press conference uh, appearance is Jed York's uh, January 2nd presser, the uh, just say something press conference, I will always remember it as. It's a pretty good walk-off, Lowell. Pretty good walk-off for you. You know, what had happened there was, I think I understand how they work. Uh, before Jed comes into the room, he he sits down with Bob Lang, their head of public relations. This is my guess. No one told me. <coughs> and Lang goes over what he thinks some of the questions will be and what will be suitable answers. And I'm not putting down Bob Lang. It's his job. He's supposed to prepare the coach or the owner or whatever. And, I mean, Bob's smart. He knows there will be some questions about uh, Jed's expertise that Jed really couldn't answer because he's made a flop of things. So first my son Grant went and asked him why he has the expertise to go on a search. And what Jed said to him was, um, nothing I say to you will be satisfactory. Well, I was sitting right next to Grant, and all the bells and whistles went off in my head. Um, uh, this was a prepared line. He was going to weasel, and I'm using weasel as a verb. He was going to weasel out of tough questions with a line, I believe, that Bob Lang rightfully gave him. So I immediately took the microphone from my son because we were next to each other, <laughs> and I asked the question, you know, why shouldn't you be reassigned? If you're getting rid of other people, why shouldn't you be gotten rid of? And he gave me, well, whatever I say wouldn't be satisfactory, and I knew he was going to do that. So then I said, 
say something. Yeah. And apparently that, that uh, line got a lot of uh, traction. It's a good line. It's because it summarized everything that was happening there. It would say something for it, Jed. Say something real here. Where do you think this team is? Uh, I guess they had another general manager candidate pull out, like Brian Goodkunst. I mean, do you have any faith in, in, in Jed York and Parag Marate to, that they're going to find the right people for the coach and, head, and, and general manager jobs? No, I have none. Um, and I don't say that with glee. Uh, the 49ers are very important to sports fans in the Bay Area. They're the number one issue. And <laughs> the fact that these guys are running it, look, I don't understand a world in which, in which you get a coach before a general manager. Now, I talked to Ira Miller yesterday. He disagrees with me, so you need to know that. Mm -hmm. But from my point of view, you get the general manager first. Plus, over the general manager, you get ahead of football operations. These guys seem to do it all in the wrong order. And if they hire the coach first, what does that mean about the general manager? And what does that mean about who has the power? Let's say it's, you know, young Shanahan. I call him little Shanny. Does he have any uh, expertise and personnel? And he's going to be dictating to a general manager. What really good general manager would want to come in under those conditions? And one other thing, Tim, in these interviews with coaches, who's doing the interviewing? I know about these things. In those kinds of interviews, you send the guy up to the board, the candidate, and you give him situations. It's third and ten, a minute 55 left in the fourth quarter. You're down by eight points. You're on the 15-yard line. Draw me a play. And they go again and again and again. Well, Parag and Jed can't do that. Did they have an expert in the room? Did they have John Madden in the room? I have not heard that they had. So why are they competent even to do the interviews? If they get Kyle Shanahan, good for them. They lucked out, in, but did it in all the wrong ways. What's your sense of Jed just as, as a person, as someone you've asked some good questions? <coughs> Excuse me. Some, some good questions of during these press conferences. Okay. You know him better than I do because you've had dinner with him. Yeah. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. <laughs> um, okay. Here's what I, I think. I think he's probably at his core a very nice young man. I think he's probably a good husband and a good father and a good son and a good nephew. Um, I think that Eddie, Eddie DeBartolo, really has affection for him. Um, as the leader of a team, or no, of a, a multi-million dollar, billion dollar organization, I think he's a real lightweight. And my son made a very good point. We were on radio the other day. And Grant said he doesn't run the Niners like a, a corporation. He runs it sort of like a frat. He has his friends like Parag and all the key places. He hung on to Balky a long time because yep, yep. they were close and they were friends. That's not how you make business decisions. So this young man, I think, has all the wrong approach. He has no one to guide him because, as you and I know or at least believe, he's not talking to Eddie that much. No, He says he does, but I don't think he does. Um, if I'm wrong, I apologize, but that's not my feeling. Um, I think he needs guidance, and I don't think it's coming from mommy or daddy. All right, we'll be right back after this word from our sponsor. It's the Start Something New Sales Event at South County Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram in Gilroy. Hurry in for a great deal on our new inventory. 2017 Jeep Patriot for just $10,988. Get $8,000 off the Jeep Renegade Sport. Jeep Cherokee Sport, 16888 
Dodge Journey, $15,888. So come see us today or visit us online and start something new. We're South County. What do you think about the Raiders, uh, you know, this whole Las Vegas thing, Lowell? I mean, you're you're uh, someone who uh, has an affection for Oakland, and, and, and as as do most people in the Bay Area, that, to see the Raiders announce that they're leaving for Las Vegas, or want to at least leave for Las Vegas. Okay. Um, I'm an Oakland resident, so I, I have pride in Oakland. Um, I, I feel a couple of things. I understand why Mark Davis wants to leave, and if he leaves, and uh, ends up in Vegas, I wouldn't hold it against him. He's tried uh, here a long time. Having said that, I'm very old school. He's still in Oakland, and until it's signed, sealed, and delivered, I don't. He hasn't left yet, and I know that lots of things can happen. Yeah. So that's all I say. I'm not saying he won't go to Vegas, but it's not a done deal yet. And I have noticed lots of strange things. I used to think the San Francisco Giants were going to end up, what was it, in Tampa? Yep. Well, they're not in Tampa. So let's see what happens. I think that they could work it out in Oakland. I think that they have a, a, a really good situation in terms of traffic, in terms of venue and all of that. It could still happen. And you know the other thing that kills me that was never explored was them going to that place in Santa Clara yep. and sharing with the Niners. I mean, if they were going to share in L.A., if that were going to come about, why were they not talking about Santa Clara? Mark just doesn't want to go there, period. And and I, I think it is the most sensible option, at least for a few years. I mean, you could play there for five years and wait for the Oakland situation to kind of crystallize a little bit more. I completely agree with you about Santa Clara. Yeah, and, and, and again, in Vegas... You know, the population is not that big. There's a lot of people who come there, but as far as season tickets and that, you know, it, it's funny how the Davises are. Al was so shrewd, but he always made the wrong decision hmm. about where to go. Uh, and, and it seems like Mark may be doing the same thing. Sure, you end up going to Vegas. They could be in Vegas and then start complaining about that place. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, did you watch the Warriors' groundbreaking ceremony at all? What did you, th- you think about all that? I didn't watch it. <laughs> um, here's the thing. Um, <laughs> I've gone to thousands of games in my life. I, I will watch the football on Sunday, the, 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 you know, the, the two championship games. I will watch them. But I'm, I'm uh, sort of skinning back a little bit. And the idea of watching a groundbreaking yes. ceremony... I would rather clean out the bag in my vacuum cleaner and straighten out my sock drawer than watch that. <laughs> Plus, I have to admit, I, although I understand why Joe Lacob wants to go to San Francisco, and I understand he always wanted to, it doesn't mean I approve of it. I mean, he's got a very nice venue in Oakland. Um, he's got great fans, and they're always saying it's so, such and such sellout in a row, and we love our fans. And the other teams are always saying that it's so hard to come in and play in Oakland. And he's like get, flipping the bird to all of those fans. He's going to have a different fan base in a smaller arena. Arena that was my Brooklyn arena. <laughs> um, <laughs> and if they don't play well, and every team goes through periods where they don't play well we'll see how much backing he gets over there and they're going to have to pay more so we'll see well i just want to just ask you a little bit about uh your your 37 years as a sports writer here uh who are who are some of the the, the subjects the, the people the characters you're going to remember most from that time okay uh 
Harbaugh clearly, um, Bill Walsh clearly, clearly. Bill Walsh, in a way, was the most extraordinary. First of all, he was the best. Uh, he was of all the coaches and managers. He was the best. He changed football, and he had a very um, his personality was so complicated. It was like a character from a Dostoevsky novel, although he never murdered anybody. <laughs> I don't mean that. But he was, he was very, very complicated. And I, I wrote a book about him, and I was able to spend a lot of time with him, and that was fascinating. But it's funny. I like the older guys. So other people that I really felt fascinated by, and I think you would agree with some of these. Dusty Baker mm-hmm. was one that, what a privilege to be around him. And I'm going to tell you something else. Don Nelson. Yep. I mean, didn't we have fun with that um, guy? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I still, when I talk to him now, he's still incredibly interesting and y- unique. And that's what he is. He's unique. He thinks he thinks differently than most people, and that's fun to talk to. Yes, and you know, when we say that, it doesn't mean he was necessarily always a nice guy. No. He was, I think you would agree, there was a dark, there is a dark side to him. He could be very hard to figure out, and he could be hard on people. That was part of his interest. Um, and if he would sit down, I remember one time, you, you know, they have that little balcony uh, uh, right by the court um, at their, at their uh, headquarters in downtown Oakland. Mm-hmm. And I needed to ask him a question one time with Sonny. So we're sitting at a table with a, like a little umbrella over us. And he took out a cigar. <laughs> and he offered me a cigar. It was funny. I don't even smoke. <laughs> the idea of smoking a cigar. And I guess it was like a, te- a test of manhood, and I, I failed that one. Did you sm- did, did you light it up? I didn't even take it. Yeah. I, I, I never <laughs> held a cigar. So he gave me a look like I was a wuss, which what the hell I am. But then, you know, he answers all your questions, and then he goes off the record, and he tells you everything he's not supposed to tell you. I mean, isn't he like that? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, 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 and he's in a very fascinating way. You know, you're trying to figure, oh, yeah, you know, trying to figure out why he's telling you all these things. That yes, what's he getting out of it? Yep, yep. yep. Yeah, so I would say other people who I found fascinating. I covered George Carl when mm. he had the Warriors. Wow, yep. I mean, geez, he was. I couldn't figure him out at all. But man, uh, was was he interesting? Tony Larusa. Mm. Yep. Yeah, just fascinating people. Yeah. And, and you know, I was uh, educated to be, you know, a professor. And I would have spent all those years on a, on a nice campus, you know, being a perpetual adolescent and talking about Shakespeare and Joseph Conrad, which is great. But I got to, to be with real-life characters that I could write about. Oh, my God. Was that the right decision? Yeah. Yeah, well, how did that all start? How did how did you make that move uh, from you know f- from the educational world to to sports writing? What happened was I had come to California in 1966. I'd been uh, I graduated from Lafayette College in Easton, Pennsylvania, and I got into Stanford Graduate School in English, which was phenomenal. And I did a master's and I did a PhD. I, I wrote a a, a dissertation, not so great, frankly, on Joseph Conrad, and I was done at 26. And at 26, I realized, <laughs> I'm done with that. I don't want to be with academics at all. It was, to me, from my temperament, like you, I needed action. Mm-hmm. You and I like action. Yep, yep. And what you don't get on a campus is action. So I just started, I figured 
you know, I'm not really prepared for anything except to live life in the medieval age. So, uh, I, but I did know about sports. I knew about the infield fly rule, and I knew it was 90 feet between bases, and, you know, it was 100 yards on a football field. And I figured, I understood the concepts. What the hell, I'll start freelancing. And, Tim, whatever I wrote, people took, even Sports Illustrated. And it was, this is fun. I was, I was making money. Um, I was also like a substitute teacher in high schools, and I was teaching um, a creative writing at Merritt Junior College up uh, up in the Oakland Hills. But I had published several things in Sports Illustrated, and on a whim, I sent them into the Chronicle. And in 1979, they hired me um, as a uh, columnist, mm-hmm. just straight off like that. And listen, for years. And I understand it. Our colleagues hated me. Mm-hmm. And I was told that my name was that <laughs> Lowell Combs. <laughs> Am I allowed to say that on your podcast? Uh, we, we might have to bleep that one out. I'm not sure. That's, that's a Paul Baca decision there. But uh, okay, I, I'm sorry. I, that's all right. That's all right. Keep going. Keep going. So uh, in 1979, I went there. I was there 15 years. Um, after, toward the end in 1994, management and I were not getting along. And the Press Democrat heard about it and called me and said, we hear you're not getting along. Would you consider coming up to us? And two things. You don't have to move to Santa Rosa, and the New York Times owns us. Mm-hmm. I said, where do I sign? Yeah. And, and then I went up there, and I, it's, Tim, it's been 22 phenomenal years for a writer because they just left me alone. And yeah. you know what I mean by yep. that. Yep. Yeah, I, well, I know what you mean. I may not know how that feels, but uh, uh, I'll, I'll have maybe we'll edit that part out too. By yeah, the way, I was thinking maybe you might want to edit that out too. <laughs> uh, I just, you know, Lowell, when, did you always have this style from from the get go, which is the one that I admire so much? We've talked about this. The 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 importance or the interesting stuff we do is is the rubbing up against these personalities. It's the the back and forth, whether it's pleasant or it's not pleasant. That's interesting. That's that's what we do. And I wondered if that's something that you've done. You know, your whole sports writing career. I've uh, because I come from a literary background. I was always interested in uh, ringing out personalities in words. It always interested me. And so I've, I've wrote so many columns about Barry Bonds or Bill Walsh because they were the dominant personalities mm-hmm. or Harbaugh. And I wanted to look at them from this angle and that angle and that. But here's the thing. There were, there were uh, two things that were always important to me. One was that I would be a good writer and people, whether they knew why they liked my writing or not, where they could appreciate it, they liked it. And I worked very hard on my prose. The other was I always wanted to be a high-impact columnist. Um, you are a high-impact columnist, and I love that about you. I mean, even when we go out to dinner on the road, we're still talking about it. <laughs> what about this and what about that? Sure. It's very enth- – so enthusiastic and passionate. And in my writing, I don't want to come across as – nicey nice or uh, have a, a meek voice I want to have a big big impact voice and you can like it or you can hate it but you're going to notice it and and I've told my son that a lot that I, I think it's important for a columnist to have an impact voice you're going to be writing still I, I hope uh, here or there well uh, the, the press democrat very generously asked me to contribute whenever I want and sure I, I 
Uh, absolutely. But here's the thing, Tim. I don't want to go to locker rooms anymore. Yep. I don't want to be in there. Um, and the, fan, the people listening probably are wondering why. So I'm going to explain, and I, I know you know what I mean. Let's say you go after a day game into the San Francisco Giants clubhouse. They're nice guys, and this is a very important organization. Tim, sometimes you go after a game and there's nobody in there. They have a, an eating room that we're not allowed into. And what do they want to talk to us for? <laughs> so you stand there, we talk to each other. I'm not lying, right? That is very true. Very and true. And then the starting pitcher comes out, whoever it is, and he stands in this place and talks always very nice. Madison Bumgarner is the most patient, whimsical person. Eventually, Buster Posey goes to his locker, and you go talk to him, but he's a politician. I'm not saying he's not a nice guy and he's a great player, but he never, in my experience, has ever said anything I want to quote. He is su such a politician. So for me, he's like a, a, a dead space in the locker room. Then a few others will come in, but mostly they wouldn't come in. Angel Pagan, if you ever wanted him, the only time you would see him is if he like hit a home run to win the game. Yeah. Otherwise, he was a hologram. I never saw the guy. I don't want to be in that position anymore where I'm waiting on people in their 20s or early 30s to give me a break. Um, I think I had enough of that. And <laughs> along with that, I'm not sure I even want to go to games anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, 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 I'm not sure. I'll have to see what happens. But... Um, and I know this sounds like heresy because so many people have written, boy, I, I would do what you do for free. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, wh what people have to know is when we go to a Niners game and everybody's now going home, we're down there trying to get these people to talk to us. And then we go up and we transcribe. And then we, we're writing for two hours, right, on a deadline. Yep. Um, and when I go home after a game, I have so much adrenaline in my system, I can't go to sleep till about four in the morning. Mm. I'm walking around the house. I'm too old for that now. <laughs> One thing I do want to say, and, and, and I've told you this before, but you, you had my back when uh, the Raiders official was going after me just, uh, you know, maybe what was that, about 10 years ago, whenever it was, and you and Nancy Gay, and I will never forget that, ever. I will never forget that. Uh, and uh, that, that's something that, in my book, it goes... Uh, it's at the top of the line, and I always will appreciate that, Lowell. Always will appreciate that. Well, I, you know, I was in this press conference, and one of their officials, I guess you don't want to mention his name is fine, really verbally assaulted you and mm. then got up and hovered over you. Yep. And um, uh, Nancy was cool. <laughs> she yep. got her recorder and put it right yep. in his face. Yep. But I, I said, essentially, <coughs> what you're saying is wrong, and, and it was all caught on tape. And... You know, I didn't even have to think about it. You were so in the right, and this guy was so in the wrong. And plus, you're my friend. What, what, do you, what are friends for? Yeah. Well, that, 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 that moment will be something I'll, I'll never forget. Uh, and uh, I didn't want to go through this without saying that. Uh, and Lowell, we're, we've come to the end of this, so I've got to ask you, and I, I'm pretty sure this one's going to be good. Lowell, come with your favorite restaurant. This is going to surprise you because you have to understand I spend time in Santa Rosa because I go up there for editorial conferences, etc. I think they have the best home-style Italian restaurant wow. in Northern California, Lococo's. It's right on 4th Street. My wife is of Italian descent, and she says it's how her nona cooked. Wow. So we go up there. We try to go up there once every two months. It's Lococo's in uh, Santa Rosa is the place to be for Italian food. 
Lowell, 22 years of Santa Barbara's oppressed Democrat. You've 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 come home. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, listen, uh, great to have you on, Lowell. Uh, congratulations. I'm going to miss you in these press boxes. You know that. I'm going to miss you. And, I'm uh, going to miss you too. We yeah. had a lot of fun, but I'm going to see you soon. Yes, we're going to see you soon, and hopefully repeatedly. But uh, yes. great to have you on, Lowell, and uh, and and also that that was a really elegant goodbye column that was really well done and all these things are just a uh the capstone to a tremendous career Lowell. thank you tim thank you so much all right everybody that's Lowell cone uh legendary and, and, and just a good friend so that's the show for today thank you everybody new sales event at South County Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram in Gilroy. Hurry in for a great deal on our new inventory. 2017 Jeep Patriot for just $10,988. Get $8,000 off the Jeep Renegade Sport. Jeep Cherokee Sport, $16,888. Dodge Journey, $15,888. So come see us today or visit us online and start something new. We're South County